0: And welcome back to Coaching with the Bible. This week, episode 122, season 3, episode 13. We begin this week the second book of the five books of Moses, the book known in English as Exodus, the book known in Hebrew as Shemot. The portion of the week is also called Shemot. We begin the story of the people of Israel in the land of Egypt, becoming a nation, and the introduction of their leader, Moses. Our topic this week, curiosity. Forgive me if I start to cough in the middle or sniffle. I have a bit of a cold uh, that's been plaguing me for the last number of days. So if I have a bit of a coughing fit, I'll do my best to pause the recording so you don't have to hear it. Um, But uh, it is... a little bit stifling and uh, uh, you know, stuffing up my nose, my voice, my throat. Um, so typically speaking, I think it's hard to hear me, but here, um, certainly the case. So our topic this week is curiosity. It's been something that's been on my mind all week and uh, I posted about it a few times on LinkedIn all week. It's this interesting, interesting subject that we have, I think, touched and dabbled uh, with a little bit over the course of time, but not perhaps as the focus, of our portion of our, of our conversation on coaching with the Bible. The reason it comes up as a subject, particularly this week, in the portion, in the, in, the, in the Bible itself, is because I think at the root of what Moses does in his movement toward becoming the leader of the people of Israel and being selected by God is that he has a massive amount of curiosity. Sort of, it's the spark that leads it all forward. It starts, for him, with curiosity. So here's a great quote about how that's the case. Curiosity is the spark. It's an anonymous quote. At least I couldn't find the author. Curiosity is the spark behind the spark of every great idea. The future belongs to the curious. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. But think about this. The moments we are introduced to Moses in the Bible... He has not the story of him being in the, in the water and being rescued from his little ark um, by the daughter of uh, Pharaoh. But when he begins to grow, he's living in the house of the king, in the house of Pharaoh. The Bible tells us that he goes out. I believe it's the beginning of the third chapter. Moses goes out to see the people. And immediately we're struck by his sort of a sense of empathy or a sense of justice. But take it a step back for a second. What sparks that empathy? What sparks that sense of justice? What sparks his interest in going out to see the people? It's Curiosity. Understand the scene. He lives in the house of the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh, the most powerful person in the universe. His caretaker slash mother, for lack of a better term, while in that space is the daughter of Pharaoh, he he would seemingly have no care in the world, no worry in the world. He could potentially grow up in theory to be the next Pharaoh. And yet something is... Itching. something is scratching, something is bothering, something is poking at him about the slave people. And he goes out to them. He goes out to see them. He goes out to understand it. He goes out to see what's going on, how that works, why that's happening. Sorry about that sniffle. And that's what sparks the rest of his actions. It is the you know, kindling wood that starts the fire, that sets it going, that makes it happen. And Moses is sparked by curiosity. It's not the only time. The story of the burning bush, Moses in that desert, on that hill, with his flock, seeing the bush ablaze but not being consumed, and his approach to it is very much a sense of curiosity. He is curious about either, as one commentary explained The nature of the tree that is not consumed by fire or the nature of a fire that does not consume the tree. And so he doesn't sort of pass it off or, you know, walk past it or ignore it. He's intrigued. He's curious about it. He turns to face it. Maybe according to some, he steps a little bit back. He gets a wider perspective, all with a goal to understand what is happening in front of his eyes. And so the way the Bible describes it is that he goes to see it, but more than just to go to see it, he goes to analyze it. He goes to try to understand it, perhaps to question what's actually going on. All of that is at its root is this sense of curiosity. And so amazingly, curiosity plays this enormous role in the... in the space of the freedom of the people. In fact, I saw a quote that basically says that curiosity is in fact freedom. The ability to have curiosity, to ask questions, to explore difficult issues, to seek and gain understanding, all roots itself in a very strong sense of the curious. Because if Moses is not curious, if he does not have that strong sense of curiosity, then he misses that moment. He misses that fire. He maybe just puts it out instead of stopping, looking, thinking, analyzing, wondering, and ultimately having a conversation with God. So this is how we sort of have to think about curiosity in our own lives. And the truth is, for a lot of us, we know it, we see it with our own children, or we saw it with ourselves or with our friends, that there's a natural curiosity with little children. They'll try anything, they'll they'll look at anything, they'll put things in their mouths. That comes from a sense of curiosity, of a desire to understand. In fact, it sort of just sparked a a, a, a memory for me in terms not personal memory, but in studying the Bible, the Midrashic literature tells the story of Moses as a as a young child in the house of Pharaoh, and he's put to a test, right, to see whether or not he is actually going to be, um, you know, the the savior of the people. And the the story goes that two plates are put in front of him. One is jewels and gold or the the crown of the king, I believe, and the other one is a burning coal. And so the curious mind of the child would select one versus the other. But they put the child to a curiosity test, basically, to see which one the child would choose. And so it's sort of on some level inborn in the story or uh, happening below the surface of the story of Moses is this uh, burning sense of curiosity about understanding what's happening in Egypt, but also obviously what's happening with the story of the burning bush. And so that leads us into a conversation about curiosity. What happens to a lot of us as we get older is that our curiosity leaves us. We become less and less curious. We become numb to the questions or the mysteries that it that that are around us, because we're simply living day-to-day. Or, and maybe in some of our cases, it was beaten out of us or was told out of us or talked out of us as we grew older. We stopped asking the innocent question. We stopped asking what seemed to be the dumb question in school because maybe a teacher told us well, that was a stupid question, or that's a stupid, you know, stupid thing to ask, and so we learn to be quiet. We learn to close our mouths. We learn not to ask. And then we stop asking. We stop seeking. We stop being inquisitive about the world around us. Or perhaps the opposite. We never started because it was never something that was an option or an opportunity for us. And so like always in, in, in the space of coaching with the Bible, I took a quiz because I was curious. Well, Benny Mariles, how curious are you? So the quiz I took from the Institute of Curiosity. I don't know if that's even a real thing. But I took their quiz, and it told me that I'm 80% curious. So I thought so 80% curious, that's pretty good. I, you know, It means I'm a fairly curious person. I ask a lot of questions. I'm always interested in a lot of information. But it told me that 80% curious is simply not enough. It tells me that I'm missing out on a lot that I need to do more. Obviously then they're trying to sell you on some of their free training at the Institute of Curiosity, but I did not go that far with it. But I do think about it. I do think about curiosity a lot. I do think about how curious I am or when I am more curious or less curious or how does that develop? How does that stay? How does that remain a quality of an individual to remain curious uh, throughout Uh, their lives. Albert Einstein is uh, famously quoted on many, many occasions to have talked a lot about curiosity. And he has said that he's quoted as saying, I'm neither especially clever nor especially gifted. I'm only very, very curious. That's probably slightly humble. Um, But in seeking to understand the greatest questions of the universe and how the universe works, you need a healthy dose of curiosity. He's also quoted, of course, of saying the following, which I think is a much deeper kind of quote. Don't think about why you question. Simply don't stop questioning. Don't worry about what you can't answer, and don't try to explain what you can't know. Curiosity is its own reason. He goes on to talk about something he calls holy curiosity. Holy curiosity is this very sense, it's a spiritual idea of continuing to seek out and understand, continuing to try to ask the questions that are not asked, trying to find answers that are not found in being especially curious. And so what does it take to be more curious? Because I think we can appreciate the benefits of being uh, curious, the, the surprising benefits, the health benefits of, uh, of curiosity. It's certainly the case. There's an idea that's, that's brought down in the research that curious people um, are uh, improves overall health care, obviously on the medical side that a curious set of doctors and researchers will seek out alternative you know, medications or new innovations in science and medical research, but simply our willingness as individuals who are always trying to be healthier, looking for ways to be healthier, curiosity around our own health will lead us to become healthier. It also strengthens relationships. There's a certain benefit in curiosity because it helps us stay interested, let's say, for lack of a better term, in others that are around us. We're constantly curious about the people that surround us, our friends, our family, our loved ones. We're constantly seeking to listen to them and understanding them even better, understanding them at a deeper level, trying to push the connection to even stronger levels of connection. That actually very much does come from a space of curiosity because if we're not curious, then we're not interested. If we're not interested, we're not paying attention. If we're not paying attention, then it's certainly understandable that the relationship begins to fray. It begins to break down. There's a corruption in the bridge in between the two individuals. It also makes people happier. Curiosity has shown that through the research, to make people happier, because what's happening here is that you are growing, you're expanding, you are keeping your mind sharp. You're expanding your horizons. You're allowing more of what's around you to enter into. You're assimilating a greater amount of knowledge, and that actually lifts the emotional sense of being to higher levels of positive emotions and actually makes people happier. See people when they're involved in things that they find curious. They're in that state of flow. We haven't talked about flow in its fullest sense, but you can see people in that space and they're exploring they're happier in that space and of course it also boosts achievement there's no question that that's the case a person has a vexing problem in front of them something difficult that they're struggling with their curiosity on every aspect of the process or every you know level of depth in what it is that they're researching or trying to solve will ultimately lead to greater achievement steve jobs it's uh, quoted as saying, much of what I stumbled into by following my curiosity and intuition turned out to be priceless later on. I think that's certainly the case. That's how that works. Greater achievement by virtue of greater levels of curiosity. And so the benefits of curiosity, I think, are given. The question then becomes, is how do you develop a greater sense of curiosity? You know, the, the business case for curiosity probably isn't necessary. It was a super interesting article. Uh, in the Harvard Business Review on the business case for curiosity, meaning talking here more about fostering a sense of curiosity in the workplace. Super interesting, beyond the scope of what I want to focus on just now. But here for ourselves, a lot of books that talk about the subject of curiosity or building greater curiosity, how do you do that? So number one is really to read widely. It's, it's to allow yourself to read things that you might think are not of interest to you because then you begin to assimilate and you start to gain you know, wider pathways in terms of how you think and what you think about. It, the reality of new ideas is not that they're just simply you know, sparks from nowhere. Often it's the case that new ideas is the assimilation of much knowledge brought together that sparks something further. In one of the articles, it talked about the idea that smartphones didn't just come from nowhere. It's simply understanding... The mixture of technology and telephony and the telephone, I think telephony, telephony, anyway, um, allows you to bring those two together to come up with something new and innovative and creative. And so one is to really read widely. Number two is have conversations with people you don't know or conversations with the people you do know who you sense are way more knowledgeable and expansive with their information than you are. So have great conversations with people. Ask the dumb question. Can I say that that way? Ask the dumb question. By asking the dumb question, you allow yourself to get to the basic levels of information. By being okay with seemingly embarrassing yourself by asking the simple question, you get often to the root, to the heart, to the base of the set of knowledge that you don't know. Number five is... I don't think that's number five. I mean, am number four here for us. That's the cold medicine sort of playing with my mind here. Tinker with a lot of ideas in your own mind. Before jumping to Google or Quora or some other forum to give you the answer, allow yourself to percolate with the different pieces of information before going to do the online research that's going to give you the answer. Don't go to the chat GPT for the solution or for how to write it, think it through at least once on your own. And so by virtue of having the fact in your own mind and working them through and trying to assimilate and to draw connections and to see how they work, doing that first allows you to remain curious and to maintain a high level of curiosity. There's a whole, again, set of research, and maybe we have to come back to curiosity at to another point about the the what I would what are called the, the, the dimensions of curiosity. It's a very interesting reading on the five-dimensional curiosity scale, and then the four types of people who are curious, the four types of curious people. This we'll mention here for just a minute, because I think this actually re- re- resonates with Moses. They are the fascinated, the problem solver, the empathizer, and the avoider. So the four types of curious people, the fascinated, there are high in all kinds of dimensions of curiosity, particularly focused on joyous exploration. Problem solvers, they, they're looking, people who are looking to solve problems, that's not like the fascinated, it's slightly different. The empathizer, focused much more perhaps on social curiosity, it's coming from a social bend, and the avoider, <coughs> excuse me, who really has no sense or interest in curiosity whatsoever, And they're focused on just sort of avoiding uh, everything that's going on. So there's a lot of, I guess, there's a lot of research on the subject of how to do that and how to become uh, more curious. curious. The last one I would say is, I think, the most interesting as an idea, is seeking out more mysteries and less puzzles. More mysteries and less puzzles. As I mentioned in one of the posts this week, if curiosity killed the cat and... Curious George always gets in trouble for being curious. It leaves a lot to be desired from our own curiosity. But we seek out the mysteries and not puzzles. Puzzles, we know, have solutions. Mysteries don't necessarily have solutions. And so the longer we sit on a mystery and we continue to serve, you know, work our way through mystery over time, the more satisfaction we have. We may never actually come to the solution. We may never actually get a, re- a resolution or a result. but it's totally okay. What's most important is that we begin to have that level of curiosity, that we're working through that to get to some sort of a solution, and that we ultimately have the experience of the curious. And so here we'll end with another quote that I believe is anonymous. The future belongs to the curious. The ones who are not afraid to try it, explore it, poke at it, question it, and turn it inside out. That's the case with Moses. I hope it's the case, and I bless us all that it is the case with each and every one of us. And that is Coaching with the Bible for this week. Everyone have a great weekend. Look forward to seeing you next week as we continue our work through the story of Moses, the story of the people of Israel in the land of Egypt, and of course, bettering ourselves each and every day.